Hey coach, it's Dan Tudor. Just wanted to let you know that you're about to listen to a podcast that is one in a series of podcasts we are doing related to the crisis that you and the rest of us are all going through. We're trying to help you get through it and not have it damage your recruiting. In fact, we're trying to help it be an advantage to you in how you recruit and who you recruit and how you get things done. So if you haven't been listening or maybe you have to catch up, do so. Go back to listen to the last few that are related to this crisis and stay tuned for upcoming episodes as well because we're here to help the best we can and we appreciate you and admire what you do and want to help you do it the best you can. So thanks for listening and let's get started. Coach, as you go through this crisis, real life remains and the situations that you would commonly face in normal times come up. In other words, every recruit is unique. Every situation is unique. And a lot of times on the podcast, we like to take a coach who comes to us with an issue, a problem that they're having in recruiting, and we like to have them explain it and we talk it out live here for you to listen to. We've done a lot of those in the past, and that's what today's episode is. And of course, we're going to filter this through the crisis that we're all experiencing. Uh, This coach's question, I thought was really good, timely for what uh, it is, and and I'm going to let him explain all that, but just to let you know, if you have a question, if you have a need, you can email me, dan at dantutor.com. We will talk about it. We're here to help as much as we can, and who knows, you might even end up being on a podcast. So come to us with questions as you go through this process so that we can help answer them. That's what we want to be during this time as a resource, as we were for this coach. So let's get to it. He's going to ask the question. That'll kick off our conversation. And I think it's going to help because it's going to be a situation you'll recognize. And maybe you're going through it right now. And if that's the case, we have some answers for you. But first, let's get to the question. Here's what this coach called us about to ask. And it kicks off this episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. In your studies and experience, when is it too early to stop recruiting a student athlete? Um, with, with time being our most precious commodity, when, uh, when, do we, when do we know to call it off when a recruiting um, a commitment or recruiting a, a recruit? Right. So, Coach, if you can, I mean, maybe a follow-up question or two just to kind of set the stage a little bit. Um, is this somebody that has has been to campus or they you feel like they're at the back end of the decision-making cycle? Because um, the, the answer might be a little bit different if you get the feeling at the start that they're not interested versus at the end. And I'm just sort of wondering, like, what where this particular prospect that you're that you're thinking about uh, is in the process, in your view? I think it's more of at the start of the process. You know, if you get a kind of an eerie feeling about, you know, something they said or just about your first or a couple of first conversations you've had with the recruit, um, you know, we always kind of want to leave no stone unturned type of thing. But uh, if it's early and you know, you know, it just might not be a good fit, is it, is it okay just to end it, you know, maybe even after the first conversation you, you speak with them? 
Okay, so and that's it's a great question, and I think it's something that a lot of coaches kind of struggle with, or they they want to know. Uh, so here's what I would I would say at the start, and this will be the first part of the answer, that um, at the start of the process, I'm going to assume that so there's there's those one percent of schools out there, the Big Twelve schools, Pac twelve, ACC, uh, Big Ten, whatever the 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 you know, the big schools that have a lot that any athlete in most sports would be thrilled to get contact from or to get shown interest from, um, they're in the one percent, and uh, or to be generous, maybe two percent of of all programs out there, all opportunities where it's going to be big time, big scholarship, and I'm going to be interested if you contact me as your, as a coach. For the other ninety eight, ninety nine percent, I don't think it's going to be unusual for a prospect to not show interest at first, um, to, to maybe delay decisions, because in my mind, heck, I'm a good athlete. And I think if these coaches haven't discovered me yet, these D1s are going to, and it's just a matter of time before I get the full ride off. Or, you know, sort of how kids think, and sometimes their parents are in their ear or their club or high school coaches in their ear and, and telling them to do those things. So my worry about cutting it off too early is that you might jeopardize an opportunity to get a kid who, for all intents and purposes, is going to be a great prospect for you down the line. And a lot of coaches in their sport can tell, hey, the kid's not big enough, fast enough, um, don't have the right times to to compete in Division One. but I can't be the one to kill that dream. They're just going to have to sort of play it out and realize that on their own. So, So if that's the case, then I don't want to be giving up on a kid just because it's at the beginning of the process and the dream hasn't quite died yet. And I'm, I'm that secondary school that might benefit because I was the only one left standing. Everybody else, all the D1s, he or she was thinking about, uh, about committing to or dreaming of going and competing at, those have disappeared. All the other small and medium-sized schools have abandoned them because there was no contact at the start. And sometimes when I see schools winning or coaches winning an athlete like that simply because they were left standing at the end. Um, mm-hmm. so, so then you jump you know, conversely at the end of the process, I think it becomes a lot more important for a coach to, to do more of a real, uh, a real gut check and, and answer the question, is this athlete going to be likely to come and compete for us? Because at the end of the process, completely different situation for you as a coach. You have, you're trying to close out a class. You have, by this time, your kids are probably ranked and you know, this kid's number two on our list, but I really, if, if, if he or she's not coming, number three or four, I got to get them and I don't want them to wait too long. And so there's this, this positioning that you, that a coach really is after at that point. And I don't want you to sacrifice your class because a kid just wants one more visit or, Hey coach, I thought I was going to be able to decide, but but now I'm, you know, I just, I just can't, I, I need, I need to go back to these other two schools or there's, there's this other school that I think might offer me and they're interested and I need to go visit them. That's when I think you're a little more firm. So the way you play it at the end of the process versus the beginning of the process is, I think there's a difference. Now, the question for you, as I mentioned, beginning of the process, playing that out and letting it sort of, uh, you know, being patient, not if you don't get contact right away, no big deal. There's time 
from a number standpoint or from a contact standpoint, maybe outline some of the, the difficulties that would present for you in your program with the idea that you're just going to ride it out for a while and keep contacting them and you're okay if they don't reply back, but you're keep them on the list. Where, where are the red flags that pop out at you with that, with that idea or concept? Yeah. Yeah. As a division three institution, um, you know, we don't have the same type of resources and um, that maybe some of our, our bigger um, competitors might have with, with recruiting. Uh, and, and I think time is one of our, our most precious commodities when it comes to recruiting and coaching and managing their time. You know, I, for example, if a kid has maybe borderline academics that you learn of right from the start and maybe their family situation might not be the greatest for them to afford the, the institution, um, but you still maybe want to try to see where it goes. Um, but at the same time, every recruit, I feel like also takes up time. And so you want to be able to manage your time and manage your recruiting um, based off the time and having it be efficient as well. So that that's kind of what I was. Yeah, you know, you brought up two really good sort of qualifiers to what I was saying earlier, where I think I think you do have to evaluate that. So there's something to be said for being patient with a prospect that fits your profile, not giving up on him or her too early, uh, no matter what division level you are. Um, you being a D3 coach is, you know, is, uh, you know, you have certain things that, that you have to look for, and that's great. And a D1 coach would be looking at certain things. But you mentioned two things, I think, that are disqualifiers potentially right at the start. Because at the end of the day, you have to, you have to have kids in your pool that are realistic prospects. So if that athlete academically is borderline enough that it's causing you some worry or you know in your heart you know what admissions just isn't going to take him or if he does it's going to be a, a it's going to be a shot in the dark whether he or she gets in then i think that could be one of the things that uh, that disqualifies a kid and takes them off the list and there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day you have to you have to be recruiting the kids that are going to be likely to come to the school and I still hear situations or I talk to coaches where they're on a kid and they can't afford it, or they only have a bare minimum uh, GPA, haven't taken any of the tests uh, yet, ACT or SAT tests, and the coach is still recruiting them saying, well, but he really loves the school, and man, he'd be great for our program. Okay, but coach, <laughs> academically, he's never going to get in. Or to your second point, affordability. Uh, your school uh, as a D3 is private, and I'm not going to ask what it costs, but you know, let's say it's going to be somewhere in the thirty to fifty or sixty thousand dollar range, which is what most D3s are running now. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more, but they're in that range. And there's a certain number of kids that just aren't going to be able to afford that. That that go into the process knowing in the back of their mind, I need a full ride. Or else, if I don't, and I'm going to full ride, I'm I'm going to have to go to a JC first, and I don't want to do that. So, their solution is I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to show interest, and the more interest I show, maybe that coach will come up with more money. And even in Division Three, a lot of kids, especially if they're first generation college student prospects, 
they don't understand that there is no extra hidden money in Division Three. There isn't the thing that you're going to hold out on. You know, maybe admissions would come out with two or three thousand more dollars if it was May, but that's no way to build a, a class, and you can't count that that's count on that happening. So I think if it's an academic disqualification or enough of a red flag that it makes you uncomfortable or a, a money issue where, look, I just know they're not going to be able to afford it here, then I think that's, that's standing for saying that's not the right prospect. And let's go find somebody else just like him or her athletically that better fits our profile uh, academically and from, a, and from a cost standpoint. And look, there could be some other factors as well. Um, you know, if you're a, uh, a private Christian school, then that's going to be a factor that you need to talk about with the kid. Do they want that, uh, the faith element of their education, uh, do they want that to be a part of it? Um, distance from home is another one. So you're a school, let's pretend you're in California and you're recruiting a kid in, in uh, Ohio. Great that they're interested and they're talking to you. My first question to that athlete is, hey, going 2,000 miles away from home, truly going away to college, leaving California, coming to Ohio, or I'm sorry, leaving Ohio, coming to California. Why does that make sense to you? What, what, what do you feel like that's, that's, a, you know, that's an option? Why is that an option? Um, if their answer is, oh, you know, coach, I'm just sort of looking at my options and seeing what's out there and just never been to California. I think it'd be fun. Okay, that may, I doesn't mean that we can't get that kid, but that means that athlete is so far at the beginning of the spectrum. I have to then make the strategic decision as a coach. Do I want to recruit, put the time in to recruit that athlete? Can I convince him to come this far away from home? Whereas if I hear that athlete say, oh, my aunt and uncle live there. Um, we vacation there all the time. Uh, I've always wanted to go to school there. Plus, I like the warm weather, whatever. And my parents are behind it. Okay, different situation. Now there's some context to it, and I can, I can get behind the idea of recruiting that kid. So it's interesting, like as, as we started, it was sort of this, I think, and you're approaching it like most coaches do, cut and dry situation, you know, is it too early to stop recruiting it? Well, I think as you're, as you're hearing me talk, maybe it's, it's an understanding that there's a lot of sequences that have to be kind of developed and a lot of things that, the context that has to be put into place as to why you would keep recruiting them. And um, there's probably different stages where it happens, where they are, um, where, where you might decide, nope, I'm going to stop recruiting them. Um, so, so for, I'll stop there. Does that make sense, or what? What questions does that generate for you? Yeah, and I think that also brings up, you know, something else I've always kind of battled. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in first impressions, and you know, let's say over the phone we make our first contact, and you know, even if it's over the phone, um, and even if they might have the academics and they're able to afford it, and they'd be a great fit athletically for our program, but if there is just a um, something off in their conversation where it just gives me a, a negative first impression, you know, sometimes I struggle with: Do I even continue this? Do I hold on? Am I holding on too long? Um, that's another kind of thought that I have when it comes to when it comes to just this this topic. I would say that in defense of the prospect, and I, I am as pro-coach as anybody out there, and I, I want you to control the situation. I think you should 
have the the you should be the, the priority is you building the program you want where i will side with the kids a little bit is they don't know how to do this this whole process they're not good at talking on the phone they are generally uh, just not great communicators, especially if you're recruiting with 16, 17. Uh, and so I would be scared of, of treating a first impression and, and basing the whole thing around that when it comes to a recruit. Now, girlfriend, boyfriend, um, potential employer, absolutely. But for a prospect there, it's, it's such a different world for them. They're nervous. Um, you might not think of yourself as intimidating. A coach listening to this may not think of themselves as intimidating, but to that, that high school athlete, that's that this is their dream. And now they're talking to a college coach. It's intimidating. And we hear kids talk about that all the time that I'm nervous. And so so I'd be worried that I would not, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be reading it correctly, and I would want to give them at least a couple more chances to to see if they, you know, they uh, they warm up. And you know, there's listen, there's other coaches. There's, you know, a basketball coach might say, I don't care if the kid can talk. He's six eight, and he's averaging twenty six points a game in high school. I want him because I can't coach height. Um, track athlete, you know, um, she runs a, you know, a two minute, 800 meter. I want her. And, you know, so there's different things that sometimes Trump, are they, are they a good communicator and I can overlook it? Um, you know, and again, same thing as before, you know, I'm not going to take, so I email out a batch of recruits and half of them don't answer. Uh, and I look at those half and say, well, fine, if you're not going to answer me, um, then, you know, you're off. I, they didn't reply. And so we're going to not recruit them really after one email or one letter that goes out or, you know, and you're not in that top 2%. Heck, if I'm a high school athlete and any coach listening to this and coach, same question for you, if you know, put yourself back in your high school mindset, um, you know, there's a, there's coaches that are going to be the, the, the coaches and, and programs that are going to be the perfect fit for you that your first impression of who are they? I've never heard of them. What, what, what can they offer me? What, what's their facility like? I don't want to go there. And I give the kids some leeway on that, that, you know, what have they been told by their club and high school coaches all these years? Hey, aim high, full ride scholarship, look at the facility. Wow. And that's what ESPN touts. That's what the world says you should be shooting for. And so if you're in that 2%, it's, it's great to be there. Uh, they have their own struggles and problems, but that's not one of them. For the other 98%, let's let's assume that the kids aren't going to be interested at first and not be insulted when they aren't, but go in and say, in fact, I've had coaches, we've coached coaches to communicate with these kids saying, look, we don't need to be number one on your list right now. In fact, I, I don't think we are, and I'm good with that. I still want you, by the end, we're going to be number one. And I just want you to know we're, we're going to, Recruit you hard because we want you here, and slowly move up to uh, to that number one position. And I've used the example before. If it's a horse race, and you have all the horses break out of the gate at the first time, they take their position, they round the first turn, and you're on a horse and you're in seventh place out of ten horses going into that first turn. You don't see you don't see horses horses and and jockeys pull up and say, "Well, forget it." You know, we're gonna, 
we're already in sixth or seventh place. We'll never be able to catch up. No, it doesn't matter where you're at at the end. All those horses are positioning themselves for the stretch run. That's when it counts. So we don't have to win at the beginning. We have to win at the end. And part of that involves, I think, being patient and letting it play out and assuming that they aren't going to be interested. If we're, again, a smaller school, maybe we're Division Three. Coach, you don't offer athletic scholarships, and that's my dream. Well, you know that the school will offer money, but it's not going to be athletic money. Okay? They don't know that right away, so we need time to explain that. And that's the point where I, I really encourage coaches to be patient, especially at the start, because there's there's just a lot of time left to play out. You're It's early in the race. We don't need to be in first place the whole way. That's very helpful. Yeah. So, so let me, I don't want to bypass the end of the process. At the end, because I talked about where it sort of flips and now really it's your responsibility to, to determine, is this kid interested? So they visited campus twice. They have their package from admissions, or if you're a D1, D2, NAIA, they have their athletic scholarship. They know what they're going to pay, and they're delaying and delaying. Um, questions about that, or, or just where? how do you play that, or where do you feel like maybe there is some some things that you're missing on that side of things? Yeah, you know, at the end of the process, after all of those steps are completed, you know, they got the financial aid package and uh, maybe the communication has kind of tailed off a little bit. I think at that point, we just um, we straight up ask them, you know, what what do you think about um, our university currently? Um, is there anything that we can do to help you out? And if they get back to us and they say, you know, thanks, I'm going somewhere else. You know, we'll, we'll cross them off. Uh, but then if they don't get back to us and, you know, we're kind of at the end of the process, I, I think usually our university and, and our coaching staff, we, we cross them off the list after that point. And, and, the only, and that's fine. I mean, look, I made the point earlier. It's your roster to develop. You get to decide when you are going to move on. I would say it's, it's you're, you're basing it then at the end on some logical conclusions and some observations that I think are, are important. So, so go for it. The thing that I would do, though, because we're in this age of transfers and we're in this age of the, you know, the kids take the walk on at the D2 because they they offered me uh, or I sign at the D2 because they offered me um, a book scholarship or I'll walk on to the D1. So there's all these different reasons I'm going to go to another college um, Heck, maybe just the chance to tell people that I'm going to play at one of those 2% colleges, that's enough to get me there. But then when I show up and realize I'm not going to play or uh, the coach isn't the person that I thought he or she was or it's too far away from home or whatever their their decision-making points are, I think what coaches need to start factoring into their plans is transfers coming back and because there's a lot of them and there, it's an increasing amount with the NCAA transfer portal, or even if you're an NAIA school, kids leaving a school and coming back to the school that's close to home, offer them a good package, like they like the coach and they're, they're at an NAIA school, but whether it's a transfer transfer portal kid through the NCAA, there is this second life. And I, I would say, as opposed to just crossing them off the list, the one recommendation I'd make for your program or any program that's out there listening is let them know, hey, understand we're not the right fit. That's great. I understand, you know, we want you to be happy. So let us know where you go. 
Um, we were really excited at the idea of having you, but understand it may just not have been the right fit. Um, and then add in if something ever changes, if situations don't work out and you'd ever want to reapproach this, make me your first call because we're not going to lose interest in you. Um, and we think you'd be a great fit here. I and mean, it's great getting to know you. So end it overly positive. And I would send a follow-up note along with that, maybe a day or two later to the parents saying, great getting to know your son or your daughter. Um, they're fantastic. And we just had to move on. But if they ever decide differently in the future, let us know. We'd love to, you know, recon have them, you know, sort of reapproach all this or however you're going to put it into your words, you get the idea of what you're communicating because more and more kids are going to make that switch. And when they're doing that and they're in this moment of, oh my gosh, so I don't want to be here. Where can I go? I want them to think of the coach that ended it right, that they remember, hey, he said I could call him at any time. Maybe I should go there. Maybe I should call them because I think what coaches are slowly realizing is that recruiting doesn't end if they decide to go to another school because two years later, they might be looking again, just as if, on the flip side, the kids that you bring into your program, you're really not done recruiting them because they show up. And if it's a miserable experience and you've lied to them and, uh, and I'm not, that's not you coach, that's some other coach. Um, but if, you know, if, if a coach hasn't been truthful, then, or it's just not the right situation, or I, I've made a mistake, I'm going to transfer out. And so there's even this idea that coaches are going to have to re-recruit the athletes and make sure it is a good experience because more than ever, these, these kids have choices and they're acting on the choices. And look, I'm, I'm of the generation, you know, that went to school back in the early, you know, I'm sorry, the late eighties. And, uh, you know, our attitude would have been, or our, certainly our parents would have said, you made your choice, go there, suck it up, learn from it and make the best of it. And now, uh, rightly or wrongly, kids are, are they have the opportunity to, to press the reset button and they're doing it. So I think you have to plan for that on both sides of it. And the coaches that are doing that are finding that it's a, that it's a really uh, advantageous position that they put themselves in. They're getting the transfers or they're, they're mindful of the fact that these kids can change their mind and they're paying more attention to the experience on campus. Uh, and I think that's all important. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that at the end. Um, so any follow-up questions or, or final things that you'd want to wrap up with or say? No, I think it was all very helpful. Um, yeah. And just having, making sure we have standards as well, making sure we adhere to those standards and when we're recruiting and, you know, if we're, if we're reaching out to a kid anyways, there is some reason, you know, we want them you know, in our program and we want to talk to them. So being a little bit more patient in the process is probably good because we were the one that initiated it. And that's how we wrap things up in this conversation with this coach. I hope us walking you through the answer to this question and this situation helped answer it for you. But more than that, I hope it taught you the process of how to address situations that you face on your own. Of course, we are going to be here to answer questions and we love helping, but we love it even more when you learn from this podcast and all the resources that we try to offer to solve your own problems. We want to make you self-sufficient. We want to make you smarter in the process and we want to give you the tools it takes to really dominate this really important aspect of your job, which is recruiting. 
if you need more help, if there are things that we didn't answer or that just other questions that you might have, there's a couple of resources I'll point you to. The first being dantutor.com. We have 15 plus years of research and strategies and information that is there for you to use, and we want you to use it. So you can go to the website, just look for the blog, and uh, it should help. And also look at the Honey Badger recruiting link at the top of the webpage because we have a special daily training program that we're taking coaches through. We started uh, in October of 2019. Coaches jumped on board and I can tell you that I've not, nothing has been more satisfying than hearing the coaches talk about what it's meant to them and the detail we get into. And we do it every single day. We deliver it straight to your inbox. If you aren't getting that daily, it means you're not a full subscriber. And I would encourage you to give it a try. It's just $29 a month. That works out to about 95 cents a day as an investment into this most important part of your coaching career, which is recruiting. Because if you can't recruit, it's going to be tough to get the athletes that you want, and it's going to be tough to win, and that's going to make coaching tougher. So give it a try. We have a lot of information we're pumping out every single day. And, of course, keep listening to the podcast and tell your friends in the department, your coaching staff that you uh, are, are around Tell them about it so that they can listen and we can build the community. Because that's what this is about. The bigger the community is, the more we have to share and the more information that gets exchanged. So that's going to do it for today, Coach. We appreciate you as always. Hang tough out there. Get through this and get through it with a purpose and with an understanding of how to do this job that you're doing. We're with you, Coach. And we thank you for listening to another edition of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher, and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.